I just want to give you the heads up right off the bat was getting ready to go outside and it was a wee bit cold even for me but certainly with my with my baldness so I parked it in here in our uh, living area with the with the roaring fire um, powered by Tallahassee City, City of Tallahassee Natural Gas, of course. Um, and so feel much better, but I'm running the risk because, hey, the Gilbert house has not come alive yet, but I do hear some stirrings, and so I might be in the middle of directing domestic affairs um, right in the middle of this devotional and greeting children and spouses and everything else. And, hey, that's just the risk we run to get into the Word of God. Um, but ought to be a fun morning. Uh, let me read our passage. It's actually a very short passage. Three verses this morning, and then we'll dive in. Remember the context. Moses, who we know is going to come on and grow up and finally become Israel's deliverer, has been sent into exile. Um, he killed the Egyptian in defense of God's people, and Pharaoh wants to kill him. And Moses is 40 years old um, when he goes into hiding, and now it is 40 years later. So a lot has transpired. Let's, let's dig into these three verses and hear God's word. Exodus 2, verse 23. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Lord, give us wisdom, insight into your word this morning. And uh, just three short verses, but Lord, we know they just contain um, nourishment for our soul. And so, Lord, um, help us as we unpack them. In Jesus name. Amen. All right. What well, tells us right off in verse 23 during those many days and, and you know, for, for Moses, they had to be many. I mean, we just read them here and we, you know, it takes us two seconds to read that phrase, but in reality, Moses has been, has been in hiding or in exile 40 years. And the king of Egypt, Pharaoh obviously wanted him dead and he's been he's been hiding now it tells us um that the king of egypt died okay and and i think there's two reasons that that moses um in retrospect mentions mentions this okay one it's to tell us that the king who wanted moses dead is dead <laughs> and himself which means this is going to pave the way for moses's re-entry into Egyptian society where he is going to be God's chosen leader uh, for the people of Israel. So I think that's one reason. But I think an, an even an, a, a second, just as important reason that that's mentioned here that the king of Egypt has died is that obviously in times of transition and in leadership, it's very natural, normal to think that, well, once a new leader is installed, things are going to change. Um, for the good or for the worse. And it would have been very reasonable, I think, for the people of Israel, because they had had this favored nation status for 400 years. There arose a Pharaoh or a dynasty that did not recognize who the Israelites were. They were horribly mistreated. They were enslaved. 
but this Pharaoh died, and I think there would have been this natural expectation on the part of the Israelites that, oh, finally, we're going to get some relief. We're going to get some political relief. We're going to have a new leader. We're going to get a reset on our, on our lives, and, and, and you know, better days are, are coming. But what they quickly realized is that it didn't, things were not working out that way. Um, they were pinning their hopes on a human political solution when in reality the only intervention that they could count on was God's intervention and then it tells us right that they cried out for help they cried for rescue from slavery and there's a lot that's kind of packed into that request on behalf of the Israelites one is we don't know but there seems to be this sort of insinuation that up to this point they weren't crying out or or maybe that it was at this phase that their crying out intensified or um took on this took on a more desperate measure um and there, there seems to be some kind of between the lines that whatever the case they were not seeking out god uh, before as much as they were seeking him out now and, and it's just a reminder that the occasion for their crying out was their suffering. And clearly, this is the way God always deals with his people, right? He, he brings suffering, he brings trials, he brings tribulation into our lives so that, okay, not by accident or happenstance, so that we will cry out to him, so that we will seek him so that we will come to the end of ourselves and realize there is no human solution that will get me where I want to be, that will rescue me or take me to where I want to go. And so they are in a place of of desperation. And we know that this is sometimes the way that God deals with his people, that, that he brings, orchestrates sovereignly, Um, designs things trials so that we will call out to him doesn't necessarily mean they weren't seeking God before but they were seeking him um, all the more now and so just as a reminder for us um, if you're facing that sort of situation today where the odds seem insurmountable or there is a particular sense of desperation about your circumstance that it is always the occasion to call out to God, right? And, and the scriptures are very clear about this, that when we seek God, we will find him. All right, so that, that's one thing to note here. Second thing to note is that I find it fascinating that, and Ligon Duncan mentions this in his study of this passage, that, that God was actually moving and acting to raise up a deliverer, Moses, long before the people began crying out to God. So in other words, God is not dependent in a creaturely sort of sense on our cries out to him, okay? In fact, his grace and his mercy moves him to act on our behalf even before we move towards God. So, so it says they were crying out to, to God these 40 years um, later after Moses goes into exile. There's this leadership transition but obviously, this was all part of God's sovereign plan from the beginning. And the reason they were so desperate and the reason they were, so, they were feeling so needy is because God 
had been preparing their hearts to be delivered. And again, what a great reminder for us that you may think you don't even know all the, all the, all the problems you'll be facing, much less what the solutions will be, but yet God is already moving, working, orchestrating in them. Um, so that, that's the second thing to note about this passage. A third thing to note is how God himself responded okay, to these cries. And there, there's four words that, that, that are here, and I think they're just super encouraging for us to think about in the context of our own Christian walks. It said that God heard, God remembered, God saw, and God knew. Now, obviously, um, we don't want to put these in human categories. Moses puts them in human categories for us so that we can kind of understand the nature of this. It's not as if God had, it had slipped his mind, okay? It's not as if God um, um, didn't know, and then he looked down and then he knew, or that God saw for the first time, or God just woke up one morning and said, oh, okay, there's some unattended business. These are all words designed to help us understand um, in human terms that God is eager to help his people. God is eager to help you. God is eager to help me when we cry out to him, when we seek him, that we can be confident, okay, that he hears us, that he has not forgotten us, that, that even when he feels or seems distant, he is ever as much there as he was before. Um, he knows everything. He sees everything. And what an amazing comfort, okay, to know that even before you bring your prayers and petitions before God today, he knows them. He anticipates them. In fact, he is the author behind them, um, all for the purpose of drawing you close to himself. And the reason he does this, uh, all of it serves, this ultimate reason, look back at the text, is because of his covenant. See, God had made a covenant with Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and of course, the, re, the way, the basis that we can call out to God, he remembers, hears, sees, and knows us, is because the covenant he's made with us through Jesus Christ. That, that this was a covenant of his initiation and of his grace. And, and God will, because he covenanted before the foundation of the world to offer up his son for us, for our deliverance, of course, he's going to hear, remember, see, and know all of who we are and all of our needs. Now, one last thing to note about this passage, and, and Dr. Duncan noted this as well, and I think it's just fascinating, that if you were a, an Old Testament Jewish believer and you came to faith in Christ and you were to read Matthew's account, birth narrative account, okay, of the birth of Jesus, what would be the first thing you would do? The first thing you would do is say, my goodness, the birth account of Jesus, that sounds just like the birth account of Moses, right? Because it, it, the parallels are, are, are eerily similar. You know, there was, a, there was a king who wanted to kill both. They both went into exile. Um, the king passed away. God raised up the deliverer. And of course, Matthew's intention is to draw those parallels to us. And so the Old Testament Christian would say, oh, okay, I get it. The, the birth of Moses is preparing us 
for it's a type, a shadow, preparing us to to see the true Messiah, the true deliverer who is coming, that's Jesus. Now, by the same token, as a Gentile Christian who's professed faith in Christ and read the birth narratives, when they go back to read the Old Testament for the first time, what are they going to say? They're going to say, oh, the birth of Moses was like, it was preparing us to understand the birth of Christ. It was a it was a prefigure. It was a shadow. And both both the Jewish Christian and the Gentile Christian would have been reading these birth accounts, and lights would have been coming on. They would have understand fully what the scripture writers were after. And it's that Moses, yes, was God's deliverer, but Moses was just a man. Um, he failed. I mean, we know that he's not even ultimately allowed to go into the promised land. He only gets to look at it. But coming after Moses is a more perfect savior, a more perfect king, a more perfect prophet, a more perfect deliverer who will never, ever, ever forsake his people, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I think this is what it means to read the gospel into the Old Testament. This is what it means to read the Old Testament in a Christocentric or Jesus-centric sort of way, um, to know that all of it is of one swath, that God loves his people, he's made a covenant with them, and he's faithful to complete it through his son, Jesus. And we can come to him today, we can seek him today, we can cry out to him today, and we can trust that he hears, remembers, sees, and knows. All right, just a little um, um, logistical matter here, a little, little modification to our broadcast schedule tomorrow, we're probably going to be broadcasting um, a little later than 8, 8 um, a.m., probably more like 9 a.m. And, um, and so, but it's okay if you forget or miss it. Obviously, these will be recorded and posted. We'll be going live tomorrow for sure, but we're not going to be restart, start, not going to go live to about 9. And, um, and so just wanted you to know that it'll just be a one-time thing. That will not be a normal, typical thing. But anyway, see you here tomorrow, whether at 9 a.m. or... Um, on the replay. Let me pray for us. Lord, thanks again for this morning and your word, just three short verses, three amazing truths. Um, and Lord, help us to seek you, to find you, and, and to, to trust that you are fulfilling your covenant with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great day, folks.